Hello, loyal listeners, and welcome to the 63rd episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. And tonight, I, Chumpzilla, am thrilled to be hosting our first pod in our When Animals Attack series. First up is a George Lucas-backed 80s movie based on a Marvel Comics character that was, in fact, the first big-screen adaptation of a Marvel character and flopped so hard that it killed Marvel movies for over a decade. I'm, of course, referring to 1986's Howard the Duck. This live-action adaptation of an oddball Marvel Comics character from the 70s qualifies as an animal attack movie, only in the sense that it features an animal and is an attack on your sensibilities and patience for 111 minutes. Nothing, and I mean nothing, can adequately prepare you for the duck nipples you see in the first five minutes of this film. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, folks, and thanks again for joining us tonight for the 63rd episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. Tonight, we are talking about a true oddity of 80s cinema, a movie that actually had a lot going for it on the surface level. It was a passion project for George Lucas, based on a Marvel Comics property. Written and directed by a guy that had previously worked on Star Wars and Temple of Doom, and it featured some surprisingly proficient special effects by legendary stop-motion artist Bill Tippett. Star Wars, RoboCop, Starship Troopers. Jurassic fucking Park. Only he as a the, consultant. He was the dinosaur wrangler. There were yep. raptors up in the goddamn kitchen, Phil. Yep. All up in the goddamn kitchen. Okay, only because we've mentioned it. He also made a comment to Steven Spielberg once they made the decision to go forward with mostly CGI dinosaurs for Jurassic Park. He said, well, great, now I'm extinct. <laughs> and, fun fact, Spielberg ended up using that line in the movie. Okay, so he should probably get a writing credit on Jurassic Park, too. Okay, so with all that in mind, one might wonder what could have possibly gone so wrong with this movie. And I think I can answer that rather simply. Howard the Duck was a contractual obligation required of Lucasfilm to deliver a live-action movie. Joining me, as always, are the Thunderous Wizard, calling in from his summer home in Mandrake Falls, which was just voted the second most desirable place to live in Duck World with a population below 20,000. You know, I would I would say one of the duck jokes throughout this movie, but they're all so terrible, I, I just don't care. That is completely understandable. And visiting from another dimension is our very own dark overlord of the universe, none other than Captain Cash. I am not Captain Cash. I am somebody else. That's yeah, hey everybody. So. And of course, oh, gentlemen, movie. give us those shameless social media plugs. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WriterTLK. And Captain Cash, when you're not making out with a cigarette lighter charger in a car, where can they find you? Listen, what comes between a man and a cigarette lighter in the comfort of his own car is really his own business. 
Uh, but you can find me at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. You can also find the pod itself at Hops and B-O Flops on Twitter and Instagram if you want to see what our dumb faces look like doing the duck face from this particular movie. And face. Sort of. I've got one question about that semi-truck, though. Do you think that model was 18 years or older? 18 wheels is 18 years, baby. That's how it works. Mm. Man, this is creepy. I really don't want to continue this. Knowing everything I know about the actor who portrayed that character, I really want to stray as far away from those kinds of jokes as I can for the rest of the pod, so I'm going to stop. Next. We'll hit it up when we talk about the cast, but yeah, maybe we should probably leave that one alone. And you can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. Please, listeners, send me all your erotic duck memes. My body is ready. <laughs> the, it, their penises are shaped like a corkscrew. That's just science. That, that's a fact. Yes, okay. that was a thing that happened as we watched this last night. I made my brother-in-law watch this. Well, my whole family, basically. And duck oh, penises no. became a topic of uh, the conversation. Uh <laughs> Far less perturbing than this movie. <laughs> uh, kind listen, of par for the course. Yeah, duck penises with your extended family conversation. Would I rather have that conversation or spend 111 minutes watching Howard the Duck? Mm, might go with Howard. <laughs> but we did both, yeah, so really not a great night. I, that's really yeah, best all in all worlds, just, right there. Just a lose lose. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to the beer for tonight. And uh, please, can we have some more of it? <laughs> yeah, you're gonna need it. I'm not gonna lie. This movie's not great, but the uh, selection for this evening is uh, Pontoon Brewing's Galaxy Drifter. Since this is a movie about interstellar and interdimensional travel and ducks, I thought that would work. And it's, uh, yeah, it's an American IPA with Galaxy and Citra hops. It's got some pretty strong uh, citrus notes to it, standard American IPA, and it checks in at a serviceable 6.3 ABV, and as Captain Cash pointed out, you're going to need all of those to get through this movie because um, it's it's painfully unfunny at times. It really is. Not at times. The entire runtime is painfully unfunny. Okay, Honestly, so I feel like that's its greatest failing. If this movie was a little bit funny, you could forgive a lot of the other stuff. Yeah, and we'll get there, but I think to get there, we're going to have to talk about how many beers we need. How many beers did you need to get through this, Mr. Wizard? Uh, this is absolutely a six-beer movie. And like uh, Principal Rooney's weird character, I needed more power than I was... Getting from the beer I was drinking watching this. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Captain Cash, what say you? Well, I'm going to start with this one. Oh, boy. Good plan. Oh, not bad. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, I, listen, for me, this is a four-beer movie. Uh, full disclosure, this is a movie that we watched at my house when I was a child. We did not have a lot of VHS tapes. We had this one. It was bootlegged from somewhere. We watched Howard the Duck. Uh, so there's definitely a little bit of nostalgia factor kicking in there, but ultimately the special effects minus the duck suit, which is a huge fucking deal when the main character is the duck are all pretty decent. (laughs) They're not great, but for 1980s, plus it's kind of a, 
a fun time piece to look back and see how weird the 80s were. So, you know, you're going to need to be drinking because this movie isn't funny and you mostly need to laugh at it. But this isn't like pit of my soul. Why am I spending two hours doing this? Yeah, this is most definitely a six beer movie for me. I agree wow. with Mr. Wizard. Um, I feel like I'm a broken record here, but yeah, you need to definitely pound a few beers to get through this. I mean, it's Pluto Nash levels of unfunny at certain points. Just there's jokes that don't land. Uh, and to your point, Captain Cash, the duck suit is just foul pun ah, intended. God, they should have stuck so, that pun in this movie that would at least fit. I'm that pretty sure it is in there. A lot better than all of the crappy ones that were littered throughout his apartment. So many. So many. So on that note, I will crack a Galaxy Drifter. Cheers, gentlemen. Uh, thanks to the fine brewers out of where are they from? Uh, Sandy Plains, Georgia. Oh, that is a that's a Chumpzilla local. And I think nice. that's Pontoon Brewing's second appearance on the pod. Oh, what was their first? Do we remember? Uh no. Uh, that's not my head, but I know I know I've done one before. We should probably start a spreadsheet for that. I'm not gonna lie. Not a bad idea. We're gonna wind up redoing beers. All right. Yeah. So the tale of the tape. Howard the Duck was released on August first, nineteen eighty six, and was viewed as an uneven, unconvincing, and ultimately unfunny mess of a movie by most of the contemporary critics. Most took issue with the unconvincing duck suit, the uneven tone, boring action scenes, and the unusual amount of sexual innuendo for a PG movie targeted at children. This movie is way too horny constantly. Yeah. Like, who is this movie for? Yeah, it kind of makes cats look, like, chill. I, no, I feel no, like this no, is what doesn't. inspired cats. I feel like this is what inspired cats. Like, look, yeah. you can do this cross-species thing. It's cool. It's cool, yeah. baby. They were taking notes from this movie into Cats for sure, but Cats is still hornier. This is just awkward. Like, at least with Cats, it's constantly horny. This is like every 15 minutes they throw in something that's kind of horny, and you're like, "What? who is that for? Yeah. I mean, the movie starts with the duck looking at a, a nudie Play magazine. Duck. It's like, what, what, what is this and why? Duck nipples. <laughs> and yeah. the duck nipples, uh, of course. There yeah. are uncensored duck tits in this PG-13 film. Now, like, I understand... PG. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Excuse me. This PG PG film. Now, Jaws is a PG movie, right? So, like, maybe this was was in the before times before they had actually developed PG-13 to be a thing, right? No, because this came after Temple of Doom. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, because the, the writer and producer... What director had worked with Lucas on Tipple do? Oh no, yeah, you're right about that. I just I wasn't sure if they'd. I just if you're the MPAA, where you're you're like looking at it and going, well, I mean it's puppet tits, so it's fine. They probably also refused to watch past the first 15 minutes because it was so god awful. They're like, oh man, there's an hour and 35 minutes left. Just slap the PG on this thing. <laughs> let's get the hell it's, out of here. It's got a duck suit. It's clearly for kids. Let's let's go. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Uh, yeah, the film grossed just $38 million, and that's $15 million domestically, on a budget of $37 million. It currently Did holds... Squeak by. Yeah, it holds a uh, Rotten Tomato score of 15% and a Metacritic score of 28. 
the user scores do fare a bit better, mainly due to a small cult following the movies developed over the years. I frankly don't see the charm. Do you? Honestly, for me, this is this can qualify for it is so bad it's good, right? Like there's enough that happens throughout this thing and enough practical effects that I can kind of go, <laughs> all right, this isn't working, but man, it's weird to see that someone thought this would work. It's a, it's a mess. It's not an interesting mess in the least bit. And I hope that I never have to watch this again. <laughs> you know, I didn't put this in my notes, but I think it's worth saying that I made the joke about the movie being a contractual obligation and, um, and it'll come up here a little bit too, but this movie suffers from some of the same problems a few of our previous movies have. And that's that there's a lot of just really cliche, bad Hollywood decisions made by universal and the, the production company to get this movie made. People didn't really care what was going on. They just, on the surface, they were like, yeah, this works. Yeah, this is a good idea. This is, this is sound Hollywood logic. Nobody was paying attention to it till the point when they actually screened the movie and the studio guys saw it, they had a fist fight because they were so pissed. They were like, they were blaming each other. Two of these guys, heads at Universal, one of them lost his job there because they were so mad. Like who, who greenlit this? They were arguing over whose fault it was because they couldn't believe. And my point is they didn't realize that until they were watching like a, a, a premiere, you know, a private <laughs> viewing. They, they, they weren't watching the dailies. They weren't paying attention to anything until it was too late. The key thing to remember, it's $37 million 1980s dollars. Yeah. That's a lot that's, of money. That's that's just like it's George Lucas cut the check, right? Yeah. That's and that's that's that was their logic. So that, that'll come up. Um <laughs> yeah, I mean I get it. It's it's entertainingly bad. Uh, but yeah, I don't get the nostalgia factor. Much like you, Captain Cash, my wife loved this movie as a kid. So I bought it on Blu-ray. I own Howard the Duck on Blu-ray because I saw it for like $5 in, in a bin, like a Walmart. So I picked it up. I watched it myself the first time several years ago, and I was just dumbfounded. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Just okay. It's a thing. It exists. It is so, definitely a thing. Yeah, the movie was directed, written, and produced by the husband and wife duo of Willard. Uh, I meant to ask this earlier. How do you the guy's name? Hike? Hyuk? Hyuk? H-U-Y-C-K? Hyuk? Hyuk? Just go with whatever the, you know, Captain Cash is, okay. uh, Pluto over there. Yeah. Uh, Goofy. Goofy. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say hike. I think it's hike. I mean, do what you got to do. You're putting more thought into how to pronounce this guy's name than they did into the script. Yeah. The whole Yeah, movie. fair enough. Okay. So the movie was directed, written, and produced by the husband and wife duo of Willard uh, Hayek and Gloria Katz. I hope I got that guy's name right. I'm sorry, Willard. The pair were frequent Lucas collaborators, having worked as writers and script doctors on American Graffiti, Star Wars, and Temple of Doom. This movie effectively killed their Hollywood careers. Their only post-duck work of note was another Lucas-backed bomb, 1994's Radioland Murders, which grossed a paltry $1.37 million on a budget of 15. Kind of a rough turn. Hard to come back from Howard yeah. the Duck. Yeah, and those are two of uh, Lucas's worst movies, if not you the know, two worst movies that he was associated what, with. You know what they say. When you go duck, you're out of luck. Oof. Is that a saying? 
I mean, Howard now. the Duck says it in says a version of it in the MCU. So <laughs> there we go. Oh, you mean the competently written version of Howard the Duck? The competently written version of Howard the Duck that has four lines yeah. across and Seth three Green. movies. And Seth Green. Seth Green, if you're yeah. out there, you keep doing you, buddy. Big fan of your work. Yeah, so George Lucas approached Hayek and Katz to adapt the comic book movie Howard the Duck following their work on 1973's American Graffiti. Initially, the script was written with the intent to produce the movie as an animated feature. Universal optioned the film because they had missed out on previous Lucas-related movies that had been successful and felt this would be his next big hit. Lucasfilm was... if If I can... To be fair, that's not a bad call because what are the Lucas films that have cranked out in the most recent time? You got Star Wars and you got Indiana Jones. If Lucas comes to you in 1984 and goes, hey, look, I want to do this thing with Howard the Duck. It's going to sell a fuckload of toys. You, The logic is there. I get why it happened. Oh, yeah, because he was at the peak of his powers then. Oh, like- yeah. I mean, if he came to somebody now with this absurd idea, they'd be like, well, it's George Lucas. Let's do it. I think they would. I mean, the Star Wars fans want him back. (laughs) Because they they hate what Disney did so much. They want him back. (laughs) Well, I think it was mentioned earlier. I mean, this is how you get $37 million to make a duck movie. It's George Lucas, whatever. Cut the check. Yeah, exactly. Star Wars, man. He did Star Wars. You know how much money they made on those toys? It's a duck. Kids love ducks. So (laughs) Lucasfilm was contractually obligated to deliver a summer movie. So the decision was made to shoot Howard the Duck as a live action movie to meet their lease window. Because that would allow them to get it out faster. So here's the real question. Because the alternative is, I know they looked at making this an animated film. That was the original plan, yes. Does this work better animated? Because I, I don't know. No, the script is still just so terrible. This movie is a complete and utter bore. Well, and that and that's part of the problem because, you know, one of the reasons Lucas felt they could pull this off is he trusted his buddies at ILM to make it work and make the special effects happen. He figured they could handle it. Um, it's also worth noting that the move to go to live action resulted in the screenplay being reworked to emphasize more on visual effects and less on story and traditional comedy. Ouch. That, to your point, Mr. Wizard, that's where I think the script got murdered. It was probably a better movie as an animated film, but when they had to shift things around to make it work, in their opinion, as live action, I feel like they butchered it. I that, feel like that's where... That's where the, the ultralight drove directly into the goddamn highway. The, the yeah. first hour of this the movie... The wings fell off the ultralight. The first Explosion. hour is so, so brutal. It is rudderless and useless, and I hate it every second of it. It is yeah. a meandering, mallard mess. Yeah, and we haven't really talked about the actual comic basis much for Howard the Duck, because you know what? Frankly, in the context of the movie, it doesn't matter, because the Howard the Duck we get in the movie is nothing like his comic yeah. counterpart, from what I understand. Um, you know so- what I like about licensing IP? Having absolutely nothing to do with the IP I licensed. That's why yeah. World War Z is my favorite movie. Yeah. So, yeah, they dramatically changed the tone of the main character and the universe, and even the backstory, for that matter, uh, in the film. And it's worth noting, though, that the comic version of Howard the Duck, created by Steven Gerber, was more in the vein of social satires, existentialism, and general sarcasm. 
And that is not what we got in the movie version. Although Gruber is on the record saying that the writers more or less got the character right in the film, which I just can't believe other than he's just being very, very polite. No, he's just a duck with an anger problem. Who's a sex addict. (laughs) So Donald the duck, really? Yes. All he wants to do is get in bar fights. (laughs) So Disney Disney actually did get involved in this because the original Howard the Duck was pantless. Oh, yeah, no, that's true. And and Disney uh, said, hey, you got to do something to make your duck different than our duck. So they gave Howard pants. That is a big difference. Yep, and it came a running joke in the comics that they said it was for some, you know, obscenity-related reasons they had to have pants on the duck. But it was really just to please the Once again, I would like to stress Ducks have corkscrew penises. It was absolutely an obscenity thing. Can't just have the corkscrew hanging out. Nobody wants that. That's not for children. Yeah. So let's get to the cast here because there were actually people in this movie other than little people in duck suits. There are people you will know in this movie. Many. Yeah. Uh, like the entire cast is three famous. main characters. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of people. A lot of character actors as well. Even the yeah the um, friends of the creepy stage manager. You'll recognize yep. both of them, and, and the cop, the head, the head detective. Yep. Uh huh. All right. Let's do it. Who's be like a CSI something or other? But anyway, I just did the main characters because really, the less said about this movie, probably the better. Um, okay, we've got introducing Ed, Bobby, and Tiptoes Gale as Howard T. Duck. That is the little person in the suit. It was voiced by Chip Zine. You've got uh, Leah. Morty McFly's mom, Thompson, as waterfowl erotica enthusiast and rocker Beverly Switzler. Also starring Tim Nuke Lelouch Robbins as the bumbling Phil Blumbert. Which honestly is the biggest surprise here because, like, it, this is full-on Tim Robbins. And I, I feel like he does a decent job, but it is definitely Tim Robbins. It's his first big thing, but he has got, like, that had to be painful for him. Uh, yeah. yeah. Looking back, he must be like, Jesus. Not only was I in this super weird movie, but my character definitely has a closet full of skin suits. <laughs> Duck skin Tim- suits. Yeah. yeah. Technically not illegal on this planet. Nope. Hunting, hunting would not be illegal as long as he has a license. Uh, Tim Robbins has actually uh, commented that he has fond memories of this movie because it paid very well. It was his first <laughs> big paycheck. And because of that ultralight scene that we've referred to earlier, there was a lot of overtime. So he has no complaints. And we've also got Jeffrey, registered sex offender. No, really, Jones as Dr. Walter Jennings slash the Dark Overlord. That's that's been the hard part for me on this one is you don't really want to give that dude more press because he is a a registered sex offender who was who had got busted for child porn. You're like... You need to yeah. not be. And who append- and and, uh, who apparently violated his parole. So. Yeah, like a couple times for failing yeah. to register when he moved. And he's worked since. Um, but yeah, I think it makes watching this movie and Ferris Bueller a little harder. Yeah, so the funny thing is he's uh, actually more evil than the Dark Lord he is playing. So there's that. Yeah. He's really drawn from a real place there. Ugh. Yeah, and... And it's it is tough to watch um, again in retrospect, but to his credit, he and Tim Robbins are definitely the two strong points of the movie, in my opinion. 
Um, they are what make it watchable. And we're leaving off my favorite actor in the movie, Richard, the parking garage attendant from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Edson, as Richie. You, you know who I'm talking about? Is it the band manager? No, that's no. He's no, one of the friends. One of the goons. And the one other, the friends, right? yeah. And the other goon is uh, he's in Jurassic Park. He's the guy that takes yeah. the lawyer on the on the boat down the river, and they find the. He shows him. Oh, yeah. Kalindo S. Yeah. Wow. So you, you'll recognize him from a ton of stuff, and he's really friggin' young in this, but you can tell. Yeah. So I got you know I kind of kind of get excited <clears throat> when I saw Edson. I'm like, oh, dude, it's that guy. I know that guy. I've seen him and stuff. So I had to go like you know look him up. I'm like, what's that dude's name? What else has he been in? Yada yada yada. Okay, here's the weirdest thing I found out about him. Back in the early '80s, he was the original drummer for Sonic Youth. Huh. Wow. I mean, I guess he was out there in L.A., uh, part of the music scene, and yeah, somehow got hooked up with Sonic Youth. Weird. <laughs> somehow that was a thing that happened. The 80s, listen, as much as we say the 90s were a lawless wasteland, the 80s, you know, it was kind of fun. There was a lot of cocaine. A little too much toot for everybody. Yeah, I, I think, too, people just kind of kept stuff quieter in the 80s. I think it was a little <laughs> more subdued madness. But, hey, another fun fact is I don't think this has come up on the pod yet, but hopefully we'll get a Chevy Chase movie at some point. He was almost the drummer in Steely Dan. That is a non sequitur as regard to this movie and potentially may come up in a future podcast. So there's that. Yeah. So anyway, that brings us to one liners. IMDb describes this movie as such. A sarcastic humanoid duck is pulled from his home world to Earth, where he must stop a hellish alien invasion with the help of a nerdy scientist and a cute, struggling female rock singer who fancies him. I mean, that's kind of what happens. Yeah, no, again, we haven't had an IMDb that was wrong. Not, nothing been I, wrong yet. I mean, I think it shortchanges Tim Robbins a little bit because he's not the scientist. Um, That's fair. He's like I mean, a janitor. Theor- He's a janitor. <laughs> He's a um, lab so- tech. That's a job. Yeah. Anyway, so Mr. Wizard, how would you describe this movie in one sentence? Uh, prior to moving to the city, Caroline had a real sexual attraction to a duck from outer space in what is the worst possible episode of DuckTales ever. I like it. Okay. And for you, Captain Cash. This duck Bucks. I do. I have to do more than that. I feel like that's it. No, I, I, I'm a little uncomfortable, but that works. Yeah. Okay. That uncomfortable uh, right. feeling only shows that you are still sane, and this didn't break you. <laughs> I, I suppose that is true. All right. So here's mine. There is only one thing you need to know about this movie. It bombed so hard. Steve Jobs had to bail out George Lucas by overpaying for Lucasfilm's CGI department as a personal favor. And that CGI department would go on to become Pixar Animation Studios. So I guess, thank you, Howard, because now I get to watch things like Coco and Finding Nemo, which are great. Yep. That's really all you need to know about this movie. It is responsible for giving us Pixar. Honestly, I mean, I feel like that redeems it slightly. Yeah, just when I didn't think I could hate this movie anymore, it comes back and totally redeems itself. (laughs) Yeah, all all of that is true. Um, Lucas had just built like a $50 million compound at the Skywalker Ranch, and he was really expecting the Howard the Duck money to pay for that. And when that didn't happen, he was kind of scrambling for cash. 
So he reached out to his buddy, Steve Jobs, who as a personal favor overpaid for this, you know, uh, CGI department. So weird, right? So thanks, Steve. Okay. Um, I typed up an extensive plot summary for this. I don't know if you guys looked at that when I sent my notes over. I did. I almost feel like that's overkill. It's not. That's what you should do because that's what we've been doing. And I feel like it's helpful to talk through the, that's what this pot is, right? We talk about what happens in the movie and why it's dumb. In order for people to understand just how ridiculous this movie is, you have to cover so much of the inane, stupid shit that happens for no good reason because there is no actual plot to the movie until the last 30 minutes. So normally I make the joke that these plot summaries should be done in under a minute. But as I indicated, I went a little overboard this time and I went with a pretty detailed plot description. And when you get to my recommendation, it's kind of a bit of a payoff. You'll get the joke and I view it as a public service. Listeners, I'm going to give you this plot description and a fair amount of detail so you don't have to watch Howard the Duck yourself. You can just take my word for it. So let's just dive in. Howard T. Duck lives on an Earth-like planet, inhabited exclusively by anthropomorphic ducks. That somehow, some insane way, Duck World has literally all of our pop culture but ducks. Yeah, it's just like a parallel uh, universe, effectively. And uh, it's a duck-filled hellscape. That's what it is. That too. Listen, that's that's very that's very ape of you. You got to be open to the duck lifestyle. Yeah, you're just an intolerant, hairless ape, Mr. Wizard. <laughs> Shameful. Shameful. While relaxing in his apartment and reading Play Duck, he ends recliner or pulled into a portal of some kind, and he is transported to our planet Earth. Which we need to Our stop cr- and say, in the first five minutes of this film, you are treated to uncensored duck tits in the form of Play Duck. It shows you the centerfold of Play Duck. And then as Howard is transported, he crashes through several walls, after which he crashes yes. through someone's bathroom where there is a duck lady, a lady duck, a duck woman, duck, duck, lady duck. I don't, whatever. Lady duck. Who is topless. Sexy lady duck. Yes. And has her tits out. And it, it's not just like a quick cutaway. You're there for the whole time. And then it goes back to the lady's duck tits. Like just revisits them again. Like, did you did you miss it? No, here they are again. It is, yep. it is a weird choice. Yeah, center of frame, yep. plenty of screen time. And then he yep. just they floats are not through space. Just floats through space, going ah ah. Which, to be fair, if I got yanked out of my recliner as I was trying to enjoy, I guess, pornography in a format that isn't really valid any longer, I would probably do something similar. I mean, <laughs> Lisa's pants are still on. There's I know, no right? Corkscrew that penis in well, the shot. That could have gone a lot worse. He's only got like 17 different outfits that he somehow has, even though he's traversed through space with nothing but his couch. I hate this movie. Well, I mean, he just shops at the kids' gap. I mean, yeah, so. that comes up. He says, I shop in the, 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 the little kids boys section department. Of the, yeah, of the Goodwill. So Howard crash lands in an alley located in what appears to be the punk rock district of Cleveland, Ohio. You know, the worst part about that is that is so gentrified right now. It is just the foodie hipster part of Cleveland, Ohio these days. Shame. And also clearly shot in L.A. Um, Painfully. (laughs) 
<laughs> Definitely Cleveland not Cleveland. Many neon lights in the eighties. Come on. Yeah. So Howard then uses the ancient art of Terakasai, I mean, uh, quack foo to defend punk rocker Beverly from a group of thugs. No one seems overly concerned with the existence of a three foot tall talking duck. Beverly takes Howard back to her apartment for the night. The next day she takes Howard to see a scientist Phil Bloombert, who turns out to be a lowly janitor or lab tech. But Howard he decides is played by Tim Robbins, which again, I want to stress when you are treated with Trim, Tim Robbins right in your face, you're like, oh, oh, buddy, Timmy Shawshank, what are you doing here? Uh, yeah, he knows exactly what he's doing there. He's having a blast and getting paid. Did yeah. either this of is you a young Tim Robbins? Find it ironic. Young Tim Robbins is buying some two. That this movie has the same plot as Green Lantern and Tim Robbins is in both of them. Weird scientist turns into an awkward-looking creature, summoning the Herald of Doom from outer space. That, I mean... That explains a lot about Green Lantern. They even have the same powers, basically. They're both, <laughs> well, they both have psychic abilities. <laughs> yep. No, that's... Yeah. Wow, that really puts it in perspective. Yeah, and and it's a progression. The transformation's a progression. Yes, yep. it, yeah, it gets significantly less human looking. I mean, wow. Prince I mean, we'll get there when we talk about. Doesn't go what, full testicle, but I mean, he gets weird looking for sure. You never go full yeah. testicle. Never go full testicle. Uh, so Howard now decides he is stuck on Earth and proceeds to get a job as the janitor at a massage parlor. Where Howard he doesn't he doesn't decide to get that job. He is assigned that job by uh, a woman who he attempts to, and again, the weirdly horny parts of this movie, he attempts to yeah. bite her ass. And I'm like, what? And was she was this also a... in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But I mean, was it a joke? Like, was the joke he's going to bite her butt and that's funny? I, I was going to bring I, this up later. I don't but know. It, I know I've already mentioned the Pluto Nash you know, reference that reminded me a lot of Randy Quaid. Weird, <laughs> weird, rapey angle where he just seems not to be in control of his, his impulses, I, which doesn't really come up in the movie anywhere else. He just tries to grab yeah. that one ass. Yeah. And they go out of their way to make sure you notice it. I mean, it's a scene in the movie. It's not like a passing gag. It's like a setup. And he does like, it twice. Yeah. He wants to bite the job woman's butt. And he also gropes the woman in the alley. Because often, Howard the Duck just watches people make out, even at his job, super strange, which is more of a rub yeah. and tug than your standard massage parlor. Why is that in a kid's movie? I don't know. I don't know. So Howard What's gives it? up on his splooge mopping career and heads to the club where Beverly's band, Cherry Bomb, are playing and runs off the band's scummy manager. Beverly brings Howard back to her apartment where she offers him the job as their new manager and tries to have sexy time with him. Hey, They're interrupted. I feel like she was playing a game of chicken with the duck, though. Ooh. No? Uh, Come on! It was a game of sex chicken with, like, like Howard was like, oh, maybe we should hook up. And then, and then Beverly was like, yeah, maybe we should. And then we get yeah, the she really calls weird, his bluff. Yeah, we but we get the really weird. His feathers become erect. It was yeah. It was a game of sex chicken that nobody needed ever at any point in time in the history of cinema. No. Yeah. Listen, so, I live by a later. simple rule. I live by a simple rule, and that simple rule is never play sex chicken with a duck. That's all you have to know. If you live by that rule, you're gonna turn out all right. 
Leah Thompson did not subscribe to that rule, but she also wanted to bang her son. So what are you going to do? Yeah, um, those are words to live by, folks. That's one to grow on from Captain Cash. I was going to bring this up later, but we can bring it up now. Yes, as she flirts with Howard, he gets aroused, and this is expressed by the feathers on his head becoming erect and sticking up. According to the producer, uh, Katz, that effect took months to get ready. Listen, I... I understand that you guys are shitting all over the duck costume, and I admit that it it's not good and it, it, it is very uncanny valley. But if the writing was just a little bit better and the jokes landed, you wouldn't notice that the costume was so shitty. My hatred for this movie has nothing to do with the duck costume. It's entirely that it is just not a funny film at all. And it's off-putting and weird. Like, I don't know how this happened, but in, in the course of three hours i watched two movies that use the potential sexual assault of the female protagonist as, as a piece of narrative it happened in this it happens in hard target and it's like who writes this and think it's thinks it's a good idea dudes it's pretty standard hollywood stuff yeah i know dudes. it's so dudes write that. bizarre especially in a movie for kids where the protagonist is two and a half feet tall this whole movie is way too horny for kids. We've already yeah. established that. And, and that's and for that no good reason. Yeah, that's where the problem of this movie comes in. This this movie had no reason not to be Deadpool, basically. Howard constantly breaks the fourth wall. He's constantly telling jokes. And this movie does, like, Howard will look directly into camera and say things to you, the audience. Okay. But well, yeah. that's only because his eyes can't really look away. Well, his yeah. eyes are doing all kinds of weird stuff throughout the movie. Uh, so, Chip Zine, right? He voiced his him. eyes can't look away, and neither can mine. My God! And the movie had a pretty substantial budget. Why don't or why didn't they go all in on like a huge comedic voice of the eighties? Well, they considered several. Um, but for whatever reason, they liked Chip Zine's voice because it had some nasal quality they thought fit the character. But that'll come up later. Okay. Um, let's keep moving through the plot here because we are bogging down. So, sexy time is interrupted by Blumbert and an actual scientist, Dr. Jenning, who theorizes that Howard was brought to Earth by his laser spectroscope experiments based on the timing of Howard's arrival and a feather found in their lab following their last experiment. The group heads back to the lab in an effort to use the laser to return Howard to his planet, but something goes horribly wrong. There is an explosion. Dr. Jennings is possessed by an alien entity, and the cops show up. Bloombird is arrested while Howard and Beverly escape with the possessed Dr. Jennings. They stop for food at Joe Roma's Cajun Sushi Restaurant. We should talk about this restaurant, because that, like, I see a glimpse of something potentially funny and kind of great here. Because it is a combination of a shitty greasy spoon diner, a sushi restaurant, and what was the third piece? It was Cajun. Cajun, that's right. Cajun so, like, sushi. Joe Roma's Cajun sushi. It's all those things. Like, and the the wait staff are wearing hachimaki, which are the 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 headbands <laughs> that people wear, and you're like. What the fuck is going on here? This is sort of insane. I'm kind of here for it. I'd like yeah, more of that. Yeah, it's very 80s. Yes. It's very 80s. You just got some vague Japanese cultural references and the greasy spoon filled with truckers. 
Yeah. Meanwhile, Principal Rooney's losing his mind and turning into an alien. <laughs> and um, like, also, I think it's worth it's worth mentioning the choices that Rooney or whatever his name is, the pedophile, ugh, makes. <laughs> he decides to start talking like this throughout the entire film. Jeffrey and, uh, Jones. His name yeah. is Jeffrey Jones. Ugh. And he is he, a registered sex offender. He's a monster. Either way, the uh, the actual monster pretending to be the monster chooses to affect a voice that is, I am doing this for the rest of the film. And as someone who has now talked on at least, what, 40 of these pods, that has to fry your voice. I don't know how he continued to have a career after this as part of his job is speaking. I, I just don't know. Yeah. I think that, the voice again, was the problem with him continuing to get work. It's the fact that he was <laughs> in this, how he continued to get work. And then, yeah. of course, his checkered criminal behavior. <laughs> now, it, it's worth noting that his performance is one of the stronger parts of the movie. Uh, that voice is great. And that's one of the things that makes the movie watchable. His turn as the evil villain is entertaining. It, it really is. The evil villain can play an evil villain. Who knew? You don't see that coming because this movie makes no sense. Uh, and it is a welcome reprieve from the just, mon- you know, like the boring things that are happening. They're like budding romance also makes no sense. The decision for him to find work, even though he's been on Earth for two and a half hours there was just no point to the movie. So then he shows up and it gives the movie some sort of uh, narrative drive to it. Yeah, no, that's fair. The, that the dark Lord shows up then becomes the movie. That's basically the start of the second act. Yeah. And that is a very fair observation in my opinion there, Mr. Wizard. This movie really doesn't start until they get to the diner. I mean, we don't even know why he got to Earth because they just choose not to show you any of these things. So while at the restaurant, Jennings explains that he has become a dark overlord of the universe and has disguised his true form because it's too disgusting for human eyes. Why would that matter to a dark overlord of the universe? You would just think that's fine. He's evil. He's he's got plans. That's that's, that's a good point. Also in uh, Joe's Cajun Tokyo Crab Shack, no one seems to care there's a talking duck, so I think he would have been no. fine. <laughs> well, they like, do, but they play it for laughs. Yeah, yeah they it, keep playing it off like, oh, it's a kid in a costume. Wait a minute. No, it's a live duck that talks. Who's, like, yeah. very angry. <laughs> so, evil overlord Jennings states he has a plan to bring more of his dark overlord pals to Earth via the laser. He proceeds to fight some truckers at the diner. With his newly found alien powers, he saves Howard from decapitation and kidnaps Beverly before making his way back to the lab in a semi-truck, which he does, in fact, mouth rape at, at some point. Uh, Howard helps Bloomberg escape from the cops that, for some reason, brought him to the diner because the plot needed it to happen. And they assemble an ultralight plane to pursue Jenning and Beverly. There is a long, boring chase scene with the cops and the ultralight. This chase scene goes for like 25 minutes. Like, yeah. And, what? and it really gets you nowhere except to the lab. It's far too long. Like, I don't like that. Now, to be fair, it, it is kind of interesting. I haven't seen a lot of ultralights used in a chase scene, but cut half of this and they escape. And it doesn't change the movie even slightly. 
So you'll find this hard to believe, but George Lucas approached John Landis to direct this. Oh, I know this story. And when he read that, when Landis read the script and saw the chase scene, he's like, oh, that's too close to Blues Brothers. I can't do that. Cop cars pile up. I can't do it twice. But I'm like, wait a minute. This is nothing like Blues Brothers. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm glad he didn't do it. This would have tarnished Landis's career, but I just that's you remember not how what, you were talking what, about. You remember how you're talking about the uh, the creator of Howard Duck saying, oh, it basically got the character right. This is Landis's out. Oh, George, I'd love to. But cop cars, okay. there's a chase scene. It's two Blues Brothers. Like, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Listen, okay. John Landis like did a good enough job of tarnishing his own career on his own. but yeah i guess i guess to your point captain cash i guess i wouldn't have you know necessarily uh listed that as the top reason why i wouldn't take this movie but you know what he's being polite i like that i'll assume that's what happened george Uh, i'd I'd love to i really would it's too another scene oh yeah okay so like i said there's a long boring chase scene everybody arrives at the lab jenning is prepping beverly to receive one of his overlord buddies Howard seemingly defeats Jennings with a laser tank, but he only manages to displace the Dark Overlord from Jennings' body, exposing his true form. Why is the Howard... laser tank designed for Howard's size? Uh, why is there a laser tank? Okay, okay, no, that's fair. That's a good question. They put the laser on the the little cart thingy, but that doesn't explain why the cart thingy is the size for a a small child. A toddler. Nope, doesn't make yeah. any sense. And this movie's so creatively bankrupt, he just has to keep using it. Yeah, so Howard then defeats the monstrous form of the Dark Overlord with the laser tank again. Which I would describe as a vagina scorpion? Yeah, yeah. That I can, mean, that, that, that checks out. pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's then forced to destroy the laser spectroscope, which is his only way home as well, to prevent a trio of Dark Overlords from arriving on Earth. Um, that makes no sense because if he can blow one up with the laser tank, why couldn't he blow three up with the laser tank and save the spectroscope? Whatever. Uh, then, more to the point, Jenny is alive. Like this isn't like an alien situation where the the dark overlord of the universe kills you to become the dark overlord. Yeah. He just they're separated. Jenny can rebuild that. That's his yeah. experiment. Yeah, Jennings yeah. Uh, came out pretty good from this whole ordeal. He got to have lightning powers for like six hours. And he didn't die. And sweet mouth tentacles. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So the movie ends with a musical number. Howard joins Beverly and Cherry Bomb on stage for a guitar solo. Folks, they were hoping for a sequel. Listen, this this is in the vein of TMNT. This is Turtles 2. They get up on stage and they sing a song about the movie. This is Men in Black. This is Wild Wild West. This is Howard the Duck. Oh, yeah. man, it's, listen, it's dumb, but I actually enjoyed the hell out of that. Okay. The so, song is pretty catchy, wait. but don't you ever besmirch Secret of the Ooze by comparing it to this trash heap. <laughs> When's the last time you watched Secret of the Ooze? I'm not going to say that it's 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 on par with this movie. It's not. Secret of the no. Ooze is better. But I am saying, I am saying 30% better writing on Howard the Duck with jokes that land Puts this in Secret of the Ooze territory. No. The, uh, Howard the Duck is worse than Turtles 3. That's how bad it is. And you know, oh, no. we uh, all have kids. I, I don't know if I'm there with you. And my kids just happen to be obsessed with Ninja Turtles. So I've seen Secret of the Ooze in the last six months 
maybe 75 times. Wow. It's got Kevin yeah. Nash. Uh, <laughs> so. Super Shredder, baby. Recognizably yeah. Kevin Nash, but yeah, he... I'm giving Howard the Duck the nod over Turtles 3. Um, I'm Turtle sorry. Th- this, yeah, it was just not entertaining. If this movie's so bad and dumb that it can be entertaining, and Tim Robbins. You know what I'm going to do now? And uh, Principal Rooney save it. I'm going to try and find a decrepit Howard the Duck costume and send that oh your way. Oh, that would be oh, amazing. Oh. Okay, so let's take a break here, folks. We'll come back for some general impressions. I'm going to talk about that musical number, and I've got a fun fact about Howard the Duck's animatronic suit. Catch on the flip side, folks. All righty, and welcome back, folks. Here we are for the 63rd episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com, and we are still talking about 1986's Howard the Duck. Uh, we just went through the plot. It was tough to get through. This movie's kind of a mess. And like I said, it doesn't really get started until we get to that diner. But anyway, let's get some general impressions. And I will touch on a couple of things that I hinted on before the break, namely the musical number in this movie at the end. Um, there are a couple original songs for this movie that were recorded by Leah Thompson and her backing band. Uh, that's her vocals. She really sang the songs in the movie. And the original songs played by the band were written by none other than Thomas Dolby. That's She Blinded Me With Science, Thomas Dolby. And to your point, Mr. Wizard, about the moldy animatronic suits, um, they actually put one up on eBay not that long ago. Yes. And it got no interest. It did not sell. What? I got to look this up. Yeah. How much did, how how much were they asking? I, I don't know, but one of the masks one of the screen worn howard the duck heads did sell for uh over a thousand dollars i think it was like 11 so worth less than the turtles three suit eat it yeah 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 so they were able to get the head sold but nobody wanted to buy the duck suit so i mean you can't really have anyway body yeah i wouldn't Uh, want just the head and i I would make my kid wear that suit all the time so but, uh, you know, I think this movie, and I think Mr. Wizards hinted at it before, ultimately didn't work out because they couldn't decide what they wanted to do with it. Did they want to stay true to the character and have it more sarcastic and adult in its humor and themes? Or were they trying to make a movie about a duck from space for kids? I think they tried to do a little bit of both and ultimately didn't really commit to either one. And what we got was a movie that was uneven and, and not all that funny, really. And we we have done enough of these pods at this point that this for me, I think, is what I have learned about movies and the experience of watching movies and whether a movie will be successful or not. You have to just go. You have to decide and you have to go for it. If this was going to be a movie about a horny duck who sometimes liked duck tits and maybe banged humans, Maybe give it an R and just go for it and tell jokes and it's an R-rated movie and that's fine. If this was going to be a fun kids movie with ducks from outer space with ducks being silly, fine. But then do more juvenile humor and more than just duck puns. And you can't just have duck-related pop culture or duck-adjacent pop culture as the jokes. Exactly. Like, it really shows no... It, every every route it took was the wrong route. 
I again, I don't know that one was wrong. It's just it didn't pick her out. It just kind of plowed through the median, hoping it would work. Like, did they think some of this stuff would be really funny? Like the Ra- you know the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie poster that's a duck. Breeders, yeah, there's of n- the Lost Ark. There's nothing inherently that, funny uh. about that. So, like, duck puns are not going to be a big. It's not comedy gold. I just don't, I don't no. understand what they're going for. Like one or two, sure. I don't mind that they were that it was there that they had all the duck puns because they fairly committed to that. None of them were particularly funny, but it was more be like, ah, okay, all right, fine, fine. But when it came to actual jokes, there were none. Yeah, I have the question here: Did any? Of the actual jokes work or land for you. Howard delivers most of them. Um, I, I could personally, I didn't find any of them that were funny. I think the only humor I really got out of this movie came from uh, Jeffrey Jones's performance. And again, that was more just slapsticky and, you know, being weird. It wasn't so much straightforward comedy with like setups and punchlines. It was more his just weird performances, this alien guy kind of being deranged. Like that was entertaining and, and funny. As far as straightforward humor, I just didn't really find anything. I I guess the scene where he's pretending to be one of the statuary weird things outside the diner for the ah. Tim Robbins scientists to pick him up. That was the one time I kind of went, eh, okay. Mm, all right. That's kind of funny. Very Looney Tunes esque there. Okay. Very much so. It, it's, a bit of a sight gag. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. But yeah, that that was kind of it. I mean, I, I'll our, agree our, with uh, hundred and eleven minutes, and that's all we've got. In what is clearly supposed to be a comedy, not great, not yeah. great. That brings me to my next question. A lot of people say the ending of this movie saves it, or that that's by far the best scene. I don't buy that one bit. I mean, it's not the worst scene in the movie, but by no means does that save the movie, in my opinion. In fact, it's kind of nonsensical. In a movie that's basically nonsensical all the way through, the ending is is you know equally ridiculous. So yeah, I, I don't I don't see that as the saving grace either. Do you guys agree? Disagree? Yeah, no, I, I I'll go with you on that trip because the the ending introduces an element that has not been part of this so far, which is the, the stop motion animation. And it is like the, the dark overlord of the universe is conspicuously that right. And there's nothing else like it throughout the rest of the film. Almost anywhere. There is some of it when Howard is being pulled to earth as Howard goes through space, but otherwise that doesn't happen anywhere else in the movie. So this kind of special effect out of nowhere feels very out of nowhere in a film that at this point had contended itself to be a silly gag movie. You're introducing a giant monster scorpion vagina. And I just like, I I know, I know this is not the consensus for the pod, but for me, the most enjoyable stuff is Howard just attempting to figure out life on earth in the first hour. Uh, Yeah, no, there's no purpose uh, it just doesn't connect to the rest of the movie. The rest of the movie, though, uh, as I said earlier, is, is rudderless. Like, it's going nowhere. It's like him shitting around Earth, and none of it's particularly funny. And then all of a sudden it gets super cosmic, 
Yes, he's from space, but even his planet isn't particularly oddly cosmic. It's just ducks instead of people all doing the same things that people do. And then the Dark Overlord shows up out of nowhere. You don't see the explosion. It just happens. You don't see what has happened to him. The script doesn't do enough to take you to the places it wants you to go. And then by mm-hmm. the time that guy shows up, yes, it gives the movie a purpose, but that purpose doesn't match what the setup of the movie was. But that's because there is no point to the movie at all. There's no, no point. That's fair. Yeah. And I think, again, there's an angle to be worked there in a Howard the Duck movie that's more uh, honest to the comic character, you know, with the whole existentialism angle, uh, you know, life being inherently absurd. I think there is part of that present in that first you know, two-thirds of the movie, as Captain Cash indicated, where Howard the Duck is struggling to find his way in a strange world because, you know, I think the, the, the joke there is that a three-foot-tall talking duck isn't the craziest thing in the world. Right. And that, that there's supposed to be a joke inherent in that, but they don't really touch on that in this movie. Um, but, yeah, again, I just don't understand why people are like, oh, the, the ending of that movie, it totally saves it. It's awesome. I mean, the special effects are okay for the 80s, but it's pretty generic, like, ILM explosions and sparks. and Yeah, far better stop-motion animation than what this movie gives us. So, I feel like the the, ultralight as a chase scene, I don't see a lot of other places. Now, I agree it went on too long, but that 100% of it was them flying in ultralight, which, you know, I don't see a lot of... That scene actually looks pretty cool. It, It... it, uh, they do some cool long shots of it. Like, it's pretty competently done. Uh, and it's worth noting they really flew the ultralight. Right, that's what I mean. And Ed Gale were really on that thing. That's That was done with practical effects and the actual stars flying the plane, which, again, is probably why they didn't get more than, like, 15 feet off the ground. But anyway, how bad was the duck suit, in your guys' opinion? Because... It uh, it was a big problem for the production. They had a lot of issues with the suit. Uh, the first version of it, the mouth opened up, and you could see the inner workings. So they had to actually quickly figure out how to get that fixed so you couldn't see down Howard's throat. And uh, it caused a lot of problems with the child actor they originally wanted to portray Howard. So Yikes. they ended up going with little people instead. Good I think call. there were a total of, I think there were a total of like seven or eight people that actually played Howard. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, with Ed, Ed Gale did most of the work, but there were other folks that filled in for like, you know, uh, uh, second units and stunts and things like that. In fact, there's even a woman that spent some time in the suit. So it was, I think it was like seven guys and a woman. Um, I, I think the duck suit on the long shots is great, but I feel like they really went cheap on the animatronics in the head. Like, uh, I don't think, I, I don't think they was able to emote enough to really, uh, to me, it looked like a rubber duck suit the whole time. That's true. And it also, you know, it just dates the movie really badly. Uh, because And the movie does not look like it cost as much as it did. This looks like something that was straight to DVD, you know, B-movie junk. I only think that's valuable with, with hindsight. Because you've seen Ninja Turtles. And you've seen yes. what ILM can do when it figures out the animatronic head attached to a puppet body. Uh, I... I agree that this the duck suit doesn't work like it's but it's believable enough that if the 
the script was better, I still feel like the focus would would not be so heavily on this is a shitty costume. It would be like, yeah, it's a shitty costume, but I, I still feel like that's not the real problem with the movie. Uh, but this movie costs three times as much as Ninja Turtles 1, which is well, a I know. far, far, far better movie and had required far more animatronic suit stuff. But they had developed that technology somewhere, and where they did it is this movie, right? Like, there wasn't a, a this kind of thing before this movie. So without this movie, you don't get Ninja Turtles. Look at all you the don't. practical effects of Star Wars. This, yeah, this I'm movie, not buying it. This movie, it... Uh, it's inexplicable Show me in how Star Wars, where the main character is a person in a suit with an animatronic head. Well, Job of the Hutt. Job of the Hutt. Job of the Hutt is not one of the main characters. It's not a person in a suit, outside of a guy making arm movements and a giant jaw flapping. No, and my point is that's better. Well, it's that better because it's not on screen yeah. as long. It's almost I, always in long shots. It's deliberately not human. Well, Whereas I, I, this I, had to emote. It's its eyebrows move. Its jaw clenches and unclenches. Yeah, so here's what I'm saying. They need a better head for the close-up shots. That's all I'm saying. I, that would have made wrong. the movie probably significantly better because you get a lot of close-up shots of Howard's face. It's This was I mean, a disastrous decision to make this a live-action movie. That that yeah. may not be wrong, but using Jaws as the example, right? Go back and, and look at Jaws, and the animatronic shark just isn't very good. But the rest of the movie is good enough that you kind of ignore the fact that the animatronic shark is very deliberately an animatronic shark. I, I don't know if that translates here because you can't have your main character off screen for most of the movie. But I still feel like the problem here isn't me suspending my disbelief that this isn't this isn't an animatronic person in a suit. It's that it's just not funny enough. It's not I don't I don't care enough about the character. I, I'll say this. I think the director and the folks working on the movie knew they had an issue with the duck suit even after they got the improved version because they shot all of Howard's close ups before they shot Leah Thompson's. So I think they understood that that's where the biggest challenge was to get that right. And that is one of the few gripes I've heard Leah Thompson make about the movies that she felt like she was the star, but they spent more time, you know, getting the shots of the duck. I, the movie which, is called Howard the Duck, not yeah, no, no disrespect, Bomb, Leah Thompson. Robbie Splitzler, whatever name yeah. of her character's Beverly. Name. Beverly. Beverly Switzler. Yeah, no, but I think, I think, you know, to her point, maybe that was more tongue in cheek. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they knew that's what they had to get. Those were the shots they had to make sure they mm. got the rest of it. They, they could get what they needed out of the, the, the human actors, the human actors who can actually emote. You could have gotten away with this if he was at all charming and the movie was funny. That's well, what I'm saying. I, actually, you, know, you could have, but also, it does I date think, it really badly. I think Leah Thompson's performance is subpar as well. See, she plays uh, this really weird. In the first, like, 14 or 15, like, I know movies aren't shot in chronological order. You you shoot out of sequence all the time. But it really feels like the first 15 or 20 minutes that Leah Thompson is in this movie is where she's doing some of the weakest stuff. Like, it, it's just, it sounds more like she's reading lines versus 
later on in the film where she does seem to care or I am invested in the character of Beverly. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, she gets a little stronger from the diner scene on, as does the rest of the movie. Which I don't know if that's down to the script, that she felt like this was stronger material that she could work with, but... Yeah, who knows? I don't know. But there's nothing really of note of that character. She's there to be the love interest of a... of a prosthetic duck, so... And a damsel in distress. Yeah, like, I mean... Yeah, okay. first and foremost, she is a damsel in distress. Like, and at least then, three times. To the yeah. fullest. Yeah. Yeah. So here is my Joe Bob Briggs drive-in breakdown of this movie. It contains bad duck puns. Like, really, just so many bad duck puns. That is 100% duck- of the humor. 100% of the humor. <laughs> yeah, at least 95 yeah. at the <laughs> You got to leave 5% in there for the duck boobs. Oh, God. A duck suit with a very rubbery face and bill. Duck kung fu. Bad 80s hair. Quack food, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I, well, I already made that How joke, so I didn't that want to make it again. Pun? That's not even a pun. Ugh. I think that's actually from the comic, too. Um, I know. More bad duck puns. One duck feather erection. Two Wilhelm screams. Yeah. An actual ultralight chase scene. Too many recycled ILM explosions to count. And one really bad Thomas Dolby musical number. I think the musical number is the highlight of the movie. So. I'm not going to lie to you. When they get on there, Howard the Duck. It's catchy as shit. Ugh. Uh, it totally rips off the guitar solo scene from Back to the Future, though. Uh, completely, with, yes. These would have been shot at, at arguably the same time, though, and with basically the same people. Well, you know what they right? say. You know, scripts get tossed around. People get similar ideas. Marty McFly going uh. back in time. A duck being hurled through space. Pretty similar movies, too. So, yeah. Both want to bang Leah Thompson yeah. or Leah Thompson wants to bang them. Bang them. It's yeah. not yeah. right. It's not right. They demure. Yeah. And I think one of the things I glossed over in my earlier introduction to this movie, this actually was the first Marvel movie adapted for the big screen since like 1944's Captain America serials. Like, there hadn't been a major Hollywood production generated from a Marvel property for, like, 42 years. It's a, it's a real strange choice. <laughs> and this is what they went with. <laughs> How the world has changed, man. How the world yeah. has changed. Yeah. And I don't know how much this movie had to do with it, but effectively killed any Marvel movies until we got Blade 98. Well, you had all those crappy, like, Basically, uh, uh, directed TV things. Yeah. yeah. Well, in the in the seven in, in the seventies and eighties, yeah, we had Spider Man, Hulk, Captain America. There was a Doctor Strange TV movie that was terrible in like seventy eight, um, and of course we had the the nineties schlock. You had Captain America, Punisher, yeah. and Corman's Fantastic Four. But yeah, this just technically like never released. Never released, but yeah, but but they were those were movies that right. Hey, uh, Captain America and Punisher didn't get theatrical releases either. I am on the record as saying though, the Corman Fantastic Four is still the purest version of the Fantastic Four. I will will take that to my grave. And and you know what? I mean, I know it was you know almost a decade later, but just look how much better the face works on the thing than Howard the Duck's face works. You can't tell me. 
you can't tell me ILM in the 80s was doing better than Corman's studio in the 90s. And again, it, that cost a fraction of what this movie cost. It is astounding that this cost nearly $40 million. And yeah. that was their major thing. They had to stick. Again, I don't think they had to stick it. I think they stuck it as well as they needed to. Script still sucks. You know, and they had to reshoot a lot of this movie, too, because when they had the kid in the duck suit, I guess a lot of stuff wasn't usable, and they had to go back and reshoot a bunch of stuff with uh, Ed Gale in it. Probably and they even actually cast... Violated a lot of child labor laws, I would imagine, because <laughs> they tortured well, I mean, some poor kid. statutory ones. Yeah, you know, they, I bet you, I bet you, Leah Thompson had to have that kid sign an NDA. Yikes! Not Leah Thompson. Or Jeffrey Jones. If I was the worst person, I would definitely work in a Jeffrey Jones joke here. I'm not that man's a fucking monster. I just did that for you. Um, so to steal one from the Thunderous Wizard, do you guys have a favorite scene or line in this movie, Captain Cash? What you got? Cleveland is no place for an intelligent, sensitive duck. That that single line entered my family's lexicon to just express disapproval with whatever the situation is. Blank is no place for an intelligent, sensitive duck. Is it sensitive or sentient? Sense. I thought it was sensitive, but I'd have to go I back. I thought and the line was sentient. Ah, I, I, I feel like no, it's sensitive. sensitive. Sensitive works too. Sensitive works too. Uh, Interesting. So, so I mean, again, I think you're pointing out something that we've kind of glossed over. There is a small fraction of Gen X slash the oldest millennials that do have a weird relationship with this movie because I feel like this is a movie that no one saw in theaters, but did live on on VHS. It was on cable, possibly a lot. bootleg VHS. You know. Um, yeah. It was viewed multiple, multiple times. Uh, I mean, it so. certainly explains a lot about Captain Cash now, that this was a childhood staple of his on a bootleg version of the VHS. Kind of does. But it yeah. also, I mean, has Cleveland ever been shit on harder than having Howard the Duck say that it's not a place for a man of his talents? Well, I think it's more funny that they shit on Cleveland and the fact that they filmed the movie in L.A. and they feel like, fuck it, nobody knows what Cleveland looks like anyway. <laughs> I mean... Because uh, all the people in Hollywood are like, you ever been to Cleveland? No, I bet it sucks, though. Yeah. Yeah. I bet it does, I too. bet you it's got a Japanese Cajun restaurant, though. Listen. Yeah, okay. If Cleveland can stand in for Munich in Avengers 2012, you know, L.A. can do Cleveland. Yeah, not well, admittedly not well. It is it is very obviously not Cleveland, but that's fine. Yeah, I guess at least it wasn't Toronto. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, hey, Mr. Wizard, favorite line, scene, whatever, what you got? It's the music. It's it's the song at the end. Uh, Howard the Duck. And a super special shout out to Holly Robinson Pete, who's in Cherry Bomb, star of Hanging with Mr. Cooper and the greatest show about cops who look young and then infiltrating high school gangs to out their drug operations 21 jump street fair enough fair enough and if i had to pick one i've mentioned it before i'm going to stick with that diner scene i think it's probably the best scene in the movie uh between uh jennings transformation and the little fight scene and probably some of the best attempts at humor you can't tell me that 
the uh, Farley brothers didn't get inspired to have that uh, diner scene in Dumb and Dumber uh, after watching. I will say, because that's totally sea bass that comes over there to kick his ass. In a film that does not have very many cylinders to run on, we're talking four enough that it will will lift an ultralight. That is the part of the movie that fires on all the cylinders. It creates sort of a manic uh, pace, yeah, like a sense of urgency. Uh, you are kind of right about that. That diner goes from like, hey, everyone's eating, to we're going to murder this duck together. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But Seabass and in Kingpin, Roger Clemens shows up and they, they beat the shit out of Ishmael and Woody Harrelson helps them. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. But I tell you, it was uh, it was it was tough to get through this movie. I I, uh, I kind of have to apologize for making you guys watch this. I just want to get that out of the way. It was uh, I guess not to you, Captain Cash, but to you, Mister Wizard. My this, bad. This yeah, I'll be real with you. This is probably not even the twentieth time I've seen this film. Yeah, I I've seen it twice now. So never again. And that's more than enough. Yeah, never again. All right. Well, hey, let's take a break here, folks. When we come back, we have got uh, a fun game of quacktastic Howard the Duck trivia. And with that, folks, we'll see you on the other side. So welcome back, folks, to this episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. We're talking about Howard the Duck. And it's now time for our quacktastic Howard the Duck trivia challenge. And it's the standard format, folks. Five questions, multiple choice, most points win. And the prize tonight, guys, is a subscription to Play Duck Magazine. Nice. Oh, boy. That'll just haunt my dreams for eternity. Yeah. So these are some extremely high stakes here. If I win, can I forward my winnings on to the Thunderous Wizard? Because as much as I would enjoy Playduck Magazine, I would enjoy ensuring that he doesn't sleep well for the rest of his life because when he closes his eyes, he sees duck tits. Don't ruin Nudie Magazine Day like that. Wait, is this is this where we realize that the Thunderous Wizard this entire time has been a closet furry and has just been denying himself the sweet, sweet release of duck tits? Oh, God. Start the quiz. <laughs> I don't hear a no. Okay. And the chime in phrase for this evening is, I am somebody else. <laughs> or, do I have to do the voice? Or can, I, can I just do, I am somebody else, or I have to do, I am somebody else? I think you got to do the uh, voice. You, you got to do the voice. Uh, yeah. All right. I mean, this is radio, folks. TW, TW, let me hear, let me hear your version I of the voice. I am somebody else. I am somebody else. All right. I'm, I'm ready. Let's do it. Or, or is it someone else? Oh, I feel like I should have written Doesn't this matter. down. Does, does that matter. matter? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Question number one. Several actresses and musicians were considered or auditioned for the role of Beverly. Which one of these musicians or actresses was not? A, Phoebe Cates. B, Paula Abdul. C, Debbie Gibson. D, Kim Basinger, or E, Tori Amos? I am somebody somebody else. else. Shit. Yep, that's going to go to the Thunderous Wizard. What say you? I'm going with Kim Basinger. 
Listen, we know it's not Paula Abdul because she was ready to fuck a cartoon cat. Yeah, I was going to say, it really fits her MO, so she probably lobbied for this part. Um, that is incorrect. Oh. Basinger was considered. That's a surprise. Captain Cash, would you like to steal? And I can repeat the remaining answers if you would like. I was going to go Tori Amos. Nope. She was considered for the role. Son of a bitch. Who was it? Debbie was Gibson. It? Electrocute. Uh, was not was on the list. Debbie yeah. Gibson fan. Huh. All right. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, I kind of felt like no, it's that electric youth. like it would work. Stupid. Yeah. Electric youth. <laughs> God, it's I'm okay. so pretty. She would have been pretty young at the time, though. Debbie Gibson would have been like 17, I think. She would have been, I thought Tori yeah. Amos would have been very young at the time, no? I, I, I think so, too. Yeah. But I thought that well, was probably the weirdest awkward. one by far. Yeah, that was really weird, I thought. All right. Okay. So that brings us to question number two with the score zero to zero. It's wide open, guys. Just duck all around. Mm-hmm. Duck sex is horrifying in reality. Which of these duck fuck facts is not true? Oh, God. A, male ducks regrow their penises every year. B, ducks can only mate while the female is submerged in water. C, duck penises are as long as their entire bodies. Or D, duck gang rape is a real thing and sometimes deadly. I am somebody, I am somebody else. else. That's going to Captain Cash. Ducks don't regrow their penises every year? Oh, I'm sorry. That is true. Shit. Mr. Wright, can you steal? So I think it's the one about uh, the most obscene one, D. Oh, no. That's that's definitely. That is totally true. There's there's duck orgies? Yeah. Well, not really orgies, just gang rape. Um, Yeah, female ducks are very picky because uh, ducks tend to skew male heavy in their populations. So finding a mating partner can be difficult. And at some point, the male ducks will just kind of corner a female and then violently gang rape her. And sometimes the poor female ducks don't make it. Um, Uh, this, This pod took a hard left turn. I don't know how I feel about all that. Yeah, this is, well, uh, uh, secret nature is, kingdom. Nature yeah, is cr- red in tooth and claw. Is it the, the ducks? It's the penis length is not the length of the body. No, their penises are enormous, relatively speaking. They yeah, have some of the lo- largest penises me. relative to body size. Yes, yeah, so that actually explains a lot about the romance and all this. Yeah, so move. the sex scene in this movie would have been really weird had it been scientifically accurate because Howard's penis would have been like three feet long. Um, and corkscrew shaped, as you've pointed out several times, Captain Cash. No, the correct answer. Yeah, the correct answer was that ducks uh, can only mate while the female is submerged in water. I, I made thought that, that was up. true. Wow. No, I, th- that, I think I think I think they bump uglies on the ground. Thank so. you, Jack Hanna. <laughs> yeah, anytime. Wow. Okay, folks, this is not going so hot. I kind of thought this would be easier because I thought these guys would be all over their duck fuck facts, but I guess not. Uh, so yeah, no. The score yeah. is tied at goose eggs. <laughs> duck Unintended. eggs. We prefer duck eggs. That brings us zero to zero for question number three. Several actors were considered for the voice of Howard. Okay. Including which of these actors? A. Gilbert Godfrey. B. Mark Hamill. C. John Cusack. D. Eddie Murphy. Or E, Robin Williams, and more than one may be correct. 
I am somebody else. That goes to Captain Cash. I want it to be Eddie Murphy. I I don't think it's true, but I want it to be Eddie Murphy. That is incorrect. It was not Eddie Murphy. Mr. Wizard, can you steal? Now, I'm just firing in the dark here, but the what they wanted us to believe of Howard the Duck, like he was Mr. Cool, sarcastic, laissez-faire guy, I would say John Cusack. Final answer? That is my final answer. I'll, I'll give you a hint here because this is a struggle. More than one might be correct. My backup was Hamill. If only for the... If only for the... If it's so Gilbert Godfrey, that guy just loves portraying There's ducks. There's no way it's Godfrey. No. It's because it's, it's I, too I, much I need, I need a final answer here. I Robin need a final Williams answer John here, Mr. Cusack. Those are my answers. That is correct. Ah. That is correct. Wait, way to ha- save that one there. What was yeah. the other correct answer? No, that was it. John Cusack and Robin Williams. Really? Williams? I think they... I see. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think they probably shot big for uh, a guy who could do, like, just anything with with the role and then they shot for someone who would be more in the vein of what they were writing which didn't and out, also they cast the voice late into production which actually mm-hmm. made the sync up work very difficult so they actually didn't have uh the voice cast until well into production so i think they were probably to mr wizard's point lobbying for a bigger name and then kind of had to settle uh, right so i like you think about you there's no way you got robin williams to do that because Robin Williams as an actor is just bigger than the duck suit does, right? Like the duck suit plays it pretty straight. He could just make it funny. I mean, so could Eddie Murphy. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Which I, I really thought hard on how to come up with some decent candidates for this. Cause it's kind of yeah. all over the place. And you know what? It'd been funny. Had it been Mark Hamill, this would have been one of his first, if not his first voice acting job. Would have worked. I, I feel like yeah. Hamill would have brought it. Yeah, he's, a good he's voice clearly actor. become. Yeah, he's an excellent voice actor. Yeah. Okay. Well, the score is one to zero. The thunderous wizard is in the lead, and we are now at question number four. Leah Thompson has expressed just one regret regarding the filming of this movie. She decided against wearing a wig, which required her to spend a significant amount of time in hair and makeup. How long did it take to style her hair into that fantastic '80s quaff? Yeah. Was it A, one hour, B, one and a half hours, C, two hours, or D, up to four hours? I am someone else. I am somebody else. Oh, damn it. That goes to the Thunderous Wizard. Up to four hours. That is incorrect. Uh, Captain Cash, can you two, see? Two hours. That, that amount of hair, two hours. That is correct. The answer was C, two hours. Yeah, she's like, I should have worn a wig. It would have been a lot faster. Listen, as someone and who... it wouldn't have looked any worse. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. I like the 80s look. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, it was very stylized. Listen, I'm not sure Leah Thompson was my first crush, but she was up there. Elizabeth Shue. Very... She's very pretty yeah. in this film. There's nothing wrong with that. She has a very yeah. uh, girl-next-door... Yes, uh, very wholesome. Yeah. Even as a punk rock. She seems like she'd be super awesome. But Elizabeth yeah. Shue, Adventures in Babysitting. I feel like there's a lot of backpedaling happening here. Either way. All right, so this That's... is it. This is the last one. This is five. This is whether also... the Thunderous Wizard gets Play Duck or the Thunderous Wizard gets Play Duck. Oh, yeah. Let's get him okay. some Play Duck. 
And, and I've got a follow-up question about Avengers and Babysitting, but we'll get to that. Okay, so here we go, folks. For all the marbles, question number five, the score is tied one to one. For all the duck nipples. Oh, boy. All the duck nipples. Lucas acted as an executive producer on the film. How much money did he greenlight for the duck suits? Was it A, $700,000? B, $1.3 million? C, $2 million? Or D, $3.7 million? Or effectively 10% of the movie's budget? I am somebody else. Captain Cash. 10% of the movie's budget. The money went to the duck suit. That is incorrect. Son of a bitch! Okay. Uh, Mr. Wizard, can you steal? Would you like me to repeat the answer? Yeah, could you Everything repeat Everything is on that? the line here. Sure. Okay. The remaining answers are A, $700,000, B, $1.3 million, or C, $2.0 million. Uh, I gotta go with $2 million. I, I feel like it had to be pretty substantial. You, sir, are correct, and tonight's champion. Send me that magazine. Congratulations, <laughs> yes. The subscription to Play Duck Magazine is all yours. Tonight's quacktastic Howard the Duck trivia champion is the Thunderous Wizard. So, fun fact about the adventures in babysitting. Captain Cash, do you know who plays the Thor uh, in that movie? Do I know who plays the Thor? I'm, I'm maybe angry and I want to fight uh, Matt Murdock uh, and or Daredevil. It's not Michael it's, Clark Duncan. You're wrong. It's Vinny <laughs> D'Onofrio. <laughs> yeah. How great is that? That's like one of my favorite weirdo like casting things as an adult. Br- I know that. As a ringing kid, it all, no all the way back. The thing I think is hilarious is Vinny D'Onofrio is jacked for an 80s movie in Adventures in Babysitting. But you go back and look at it and you're like, that's me when I haven't worked out for like three weeks. You wouldn't believe he's Thor he's, per se. Like he's not like yeah, but he's a big dude. He's a big dude. I mean, stature wise, he's a big. That's dude. fair. Vinny D is not a small human, and no. and in all fairness, Vinny D is a great actor. And like, yeah, and he's not really Thor. He's a tow truck driving mechanic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's the joke. So yeah, but, but think about what he's done, right? Think about his work in Men in Black. Think about his work in. Uh, what was it? True Grit, The Magnificent Full Metal Seven, Jacket. Full Metal Jacket, Daredevil. He's really talking- good as an actor. Vinny D. I know you're not yeah. listening, but you know, way to go, listening. dude. That's, that's probably one of my favorite though. Like of his uh, filmography is just like, yeah, he was he was Thor in Adventures in Babysitting. He was a lot of things in lots of stuff, and he's great basically all the time. Listen, <laughs> Jurassic World. Uh, that was the thing you were in. I hope it lets you buy whatever nice boat. Yep. So this brings me to my favorite segment of the pod, our open-ended questions. I think this will actually be pretty quick because, frankly, folks, I've heard a rumor there's been a challenge for the shit movie championship belt that has to be addressed later. So let's get oh, through this. I... Did this movie deserve to flop? I'll answer that one quickly myself. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, this movie doesn't know what it wants to be. Is it a horny duck movie? Is it a kid's movie because there's a goofy duck from outer space? You don't get an answer, yeah, and it doesn't decide. Right. Is it science fiction? Is it just 
is it just a straight up uh, fish out of water comedy? It has no idea what it wants to be. Yeah. No. And that brings me to my next question, which I'll actually answer in two ways. Does this movie ultimately achieve what it set out to? And I, I would say yes and no. Yes, because it was a live action release from Lucasfilm that satisfied their uh, contractual obligations with Universal. Checkmark, done, excellent. But did the movie work as a movie in itself? No. Uh, to your point, Captain Cash, it couldn't decide what it wanted to be, and it ended up being nothing. Yeah, and ultimately, that's where it is for me, because you have to know what you want to do to achieve what you were trying to achieve. And if, and I guess back at you, if the point was make a movie contractually by Lucasfilms for Universal, yep, that happened. I just, it I was just, released. Uh, I feel like he could have saved himself a lot of money and not ultimately gone bankrupt and had to sell his uh, effects company to Steve Jobs. You know, you could have finished this movie and not spent a ridiculous amount of money by just making a straight up weird oddball comedy with this duck because the whole he fights space creatures from some dimension unnamed added nothing to the proceedings. Yeah, and, and in the comic, the dark overlords of the universe are actually who send Howard to Earth. So I, I feel like that was a really weird omission. Like that would have made the movie make a little more sense if they'd been tied together somehow and not just been like an accident that brought him to yeah. Earth. Yeah, instead they, he's... I, they, they didn't use the source material very well. We could have gotten a hell cow in this. Like he's sent and, to uh, save the world, right? But why would you send a duck to save the world who's generally pretty useless and yeah. bumbles around. He beats up a couple of stooges in Cleveland, but he's certainly not the ideal pick to fight cosmic vagina monsters. No. He's got no reach. I have said this before, and I will say it again. The best and only way to defeat a giant scorpion vagina monster is always Jeff Goldblum. Always. That's science. That's it's just, just science. science. He would have brought his well, smelting stick for sure, so already an advantage. Well, there yes. it is. <laughs> Points, right. Goldblum. Uh, hey, I think I know the answer from Captain Cash on this, but uh, does this movie really deserve to be considered a cult hit or a cult classic? I get the nostalgia that people of our generation have for it, much like my wife and Captain Cash, but ultimately I just don't think it's actually like good. Like it's not a true cult classic. It's not no, a midnight no. movie. It's not Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's not the thing. Look, no, I agree. I feel like I've largely defended this film mostly out of nostalgia. But at the end of the day, this all doesn't hang together well enough. And especially when you have things like Ninja Turtles or any number of other animatronic headed, you know, main characters to look at. This really comes off as, hey, we tried this thing and it didn't quite work. And I think that's probably the redeeming quality of the movie is that the effort is there. They were trying and they struggled with the suit. They had to make upgrades um, on the fly to make it work like they 
they were really trying to make something that worked here. It wasn't, this movie didn't fail for lack of effort. I think it just failed from lack of vision. This is basically uh, the director's first and last movie as a director. Yeah. Could it use a bit of tightening up? I mean, to me, is it even really a cult classic if you can't get any eBay bids on uh, Howard the Duck suit? You know, I, I think that's just a myth that uh, Leah Thompson's out there just trying to to proliferate because she's just she politics hard for this movie. She's making interviews and saying that she's talking to Marvel, trying to get a reboot going. And I don't buy that at all. I think that's her leaving voicemails. That's you know uh, on some interns uh, phone that's saying, like, "Hey, hey, it's Leah Thompson, spin. give me a call." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. No lie. I- if they were like, we're going to do a Howard movie, we're going to use Seth Green's Howard from Guardians and technically Endgame, yes, and we're going to get Leah Thompson involved, I'd be like, yeah, you, no, I'll, I'll go see that. I, Yeah. Yeah, but I got a funny feeling that Feige's like, yeah, fuck no. <laughs> That's because Feige got, has some goddamn sense. They, they've got a fuck no folder and Howard the Duck's in it. <laughs> Listen, um, I... I I want to agree with you. I want to agree with you. But remember, one of the biggest franchises involves a talking raccoon and a tree that only says, I am Groot. So I do not believe that Howard the Duck is in. I don't think there's anything in the fuck no folder. But go ahead. and And that's why we get the Howard the Duck cameos in those movies, because that's that's all they're going to give us. Uh, So that that brings me to my final open ended question. Did this movie really hurt the Marvel cinematic brand? No. Uh, because my answer is no, because I don't think anybody knew this was a Marvel movie, and it certainly wasn't marketed as a Marvel movie. Yeah. Uh, like, there's no yeah. way you slap Howard in with the X-Men or the Fantastic Four or uh, any of the Avengers or any of the big sc- – or Spider-Man where anyone for a second thinks this has anything yeah. to do with those characters. Yeah, I, I actually think the TV movies of the 70s and the 80s are actually what hurt the Marvel brand. They were a TV movie brand. That's what they did. So I don't think Howard the Duck hurt them in that sense. Nah. Because and we and we still got we got Blade. Blade's a very unlikely first, you know, foray into Mar- the modern Marvel movies, and that still got made. So honestly, I don't. If you aren't super familiar, you would have no idea that he's a Marvel character, and this movie does nothing to suggest he's even a comic book character. So, yeah, fair. That's very true. That is very true. So, that brings us to the final segment of tonight's pod <sighs> Thunderous Wizard. Would you like to formally state your position on this shit movie championship belt challenge? Yeah, so I thought this movie was just a hot 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 mess uh with very little redeeming qualities and i think it is worse than the adventures of pluto nash and i'm willing to defend that point in order to get this crowned our new shit movie champion of the pod now when we did this the last time the rules were pretty simple we each got three reasons as to why it deserved to be the worst movie and then you could then take up to one minute to refute the other person's stance. Now, I am in the camp of Howard the Duck. I believe you are going to be in the, in the camp of Pluto Nash. And the good Captain Cash correct. is our judge and jury. 
Happy to be. I am more than happy to begin and give you my three reasons why this deserves to be the worst movie that we have done. I accept your challenge, Thunderous Wizard. The floor is yours. Okay. I will, it, as the judge, I will attempt to be impartial and rule only based on the observations you bring me, not my own baggage. All right. Uh, here we go. This movie is the worst movie we've done for these reasons. One, it is a comedy that is never ever ever once funny it includes an attempted sexual assault it includes a duck ogling a woman and grabbing her in an uncomfortable way it includes a ridiculous love scene that adds nothing to the film and it makes no sense none of it that is leading into point two which is that the plot of the movie there is none it's a duck comes to earth then they didn't know what to do so they took an hour figuring out what they wanted to do, didn't show any of the important things that were supposed to contribute to how this plot unfolded, and then a giant space monster shows up. So is Pluto Nash a stupid movie? Yes. But is there a central plot? Yes, there is no plot in this movie at all. And number three, George Lucas was involved in this. A lot of good pedigree went into making this movie. None of that comes through on screen. It is a mess from start to finish. Uh, the script needed at least five to six more passes to become acceptable, and that may have ironed out some of the issues with it. It's just really sort of hard to believe that they put 30 plus million dollars into this thing, and you don't know where the money went, and you don't know why the movie exists. It never justifies its reason to exist other than the two words that we always say, contractually obligated which are the death knell of any project those are my reasons why this should be the worst movie that we've done all right and to you chumzilla why is pluto nash worse well pluto nash does so much less with so much more you know it was a hundred million dollar budget it's got arguably the best actor uh, of the two movies and Eddie Murphy and it does nothing with him. I think it's a bigger sin to be an unfunny movie with Eddie Murphy than it is to be an unfunny movie with a very green, uh, Tim Robbins and a sex offender and a guy in a duck suit. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, they squander a lot, uh, in Pluto Nash and you don't see that money on the screen. Another reason, number two, that Pluto Nash is worse is that that plot literally goes nowhere. It doesn't escalate at all. It sort of does with the twist at the end, but that movie would have benefited from a giant vagina scorpion monster. Like for being a space movie, it really didn't do anything with the setting uh, other than some goofy backdrops and whatnot. Being in space was nothing to do with the plot. Uh, it, again, the stakes just weren't there for the setting. And thirdly, yes, the crude sexual humor is a bit strange in Howard the Duck, but I still find the chemistry between uh, Rosario Dawson and Eddie Murphy to be very off-putting. And you expect those two to work together. I think it's a pretty big condemnation of the movie when you say that the chemistry <clears throat> between Leah Thompson 
and a guy in a duck suit is more believable than two human beings. So, yeah, I still think that one takes the cake. I feel like that was it does so little with so much. I feel like that was closer to five actual points, uh, but I will turn it back over to TW for his rebuttal. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to refute anything you've said because, obviously, we discussed it. Pluto Nash is a hot mess, but at least Pluto Nash gave us a nice window into the eroding mind of Randy Quaid. And now, instead of wondering what happened to him when we see the pictures of him with his giant beard and we see the reports of him owing people money or being threatened with arrest as soon as he crosses the border, we know it was he wasn't recharged properly at, P- at Pluto's penthouse on the moon. Yeah. Pluto's Fair. penthouse on the moon. <laughs> Blue moon. And Pluto Nash had a better musical number. Ooh, better better musical number. All right. Ooh. That, that has been 30 so, seconds. Do you have anything else, or do you yield your time, sir? I will yield my time. Okay. I will well. yield my time. Suck my dick. Fuck you. <laughs> yes. So, I think you've raised a very interesting point there, Mr. Wizard. And I would argue that one of the stronger points of Howard the Duck is that Leah Thompson actually does the vocals for her musical number, which is not what you can say for Rosario Dawson. Uh, again, that's a big sticking point for me. That whole movie, her character's arc is based on being a singer, and then they don't let her sing in the end. That's just a mm-hmm. bad choice, in my opinion. And we know she can sing. It's true. She um, was in Rent. No, and, and I think you picked some strange, strange points to uh, attack Howard the Duck on when it's going up against a movie like Pluto Nash. Like, Yep, the, the plot's not the strongest in Howard the Duck, but once you get to that diner scene, it takes off. There is no diner scene for uh, Pluto Nash. That movie never hits on all cylinders. That movie idles roughly the entire time. It never really takes off. And it's a much bigger movie in terms of like, you know, the cast and what they try to do with it. And it still doesn't work. And it still isn't funny. And it's got seasoned comedians in it. So again, I just can't defend that movie. Howard the Duck, not a good movie. But they tried really hard to do something really weird, and they just missed the mark. Howard the Duck certainly takes off, but it never gets above 15 feet off the ground. And and I'll just say this. It, it is much more entertaining uh, as a bad movie than Pluto Nash. Pluto Nash is just rough. Uh, that is your time, sir. Uh, Thank you. So if I may recap your arguments. The Thunderous Wizard's argument for Howard the Duck being not a good film would be that it is unfunny, it is meandering, and that the presence and involvement of Lucas, as well as some others, gives it a pedigree that should have elevated it beyond its material. Um, He also feels that the presence of Randy Quaid in Pluto Nash uh, lets us know that Randy Quaid went goddamn crazy anyway, um, and that was kind of your whole rebuttal. I think it's a valuable thing. <laughs> hey, that's fair. Uh, to to Chumzilla's point, the budget in Pluto Nash was significantly higher. They waste. It was also unfunny. They wasted a significant talent in the form of Eddie Murphy. Uh, there was no chemistry between the lead actors, as one might have expected in 
you know, two humans versus a human in a duck suit. Uh, and ultimately, there was a, a narrative drive to the film. Would that be accurate, gentlemen? About sums it up. I, I cannot rule in favor of Paluto Nash, given those arguments. At the end of the day, they were both very unfunny movies. They were both movies that were incredibly pedigreed. One from the form of a comedy, the other from the form of sci-fi. Both still fell flat. At the end of the day, one is still more entertaining. (laughs) Which is not to say it is entertaining, just more entertaining. And it has a narrative thread that the other does not. Howard the Duck is not the shit movie champion. It remains Pluto Nash. I disagree with this vehemently. <laughs> you can disagree with the ruling. The ruling is the ruling. Judge Cash, you also left off the musical number comparison. I think that's a very strong nod towards No, I was talking about Howard the, the, Duck. the rap song, which now exists on whatever that rap site you put on is. Oh, And I think yeah. that's a stronger musical number than Howard the Duck, which... As charming as it I, is. I don't agree. I'm sorry. Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck is is actually, while it is also an end credit song, it it is diegetic. It exists within the universe of Howard the Duck versus the Pluto Nax song, which is non-diegetic. It is only a credit song. Fair. No, it's, uh, it's well, yeah, opening credits. Yeah, and, and to uh, the Thunderous Wizard's point, folks, listeners all one of you mom um yes i did actually transcribe the lyrics to that opening rap song uh and post it to rap genius i had to sign it for account and everything so it's out there in the world now folks that little rap ditty that i did in the opening of that pod yep i posted that to rap genius because nobody else had up to that point so i felt obligated to put that out into the universe so it's there folks because nobody else had and frankly if they weren't going to who would yeah. but hops and, I, and box office flops? That's right. And I dropped the ball. I, I meant to mention that on the pod, and I just did not. Because, frankly, I blame Pluto Nash for breaking my brain, just like it did to Randy Quaid. You can only ogle a uh, sex-made robot in so many takes before you just implode. And that's clearly what happened to Randy Quaid. Yes. Clearly. Hey, he likes to grab butts just as much as Howard the Duck does. I mean, I think yep. this was a really, I think this is a lot closer than the judge made it out to be. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll actually, I'll stick to my thesis. Eddie Murphy's the much bigger talent here. This is on him. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, again. You can blame George Lucas, but he's not on screen. Yeah, the, the Duck Eddie suit. Murphy is. The duck suit isn't the problem. It's, it's the writing. If, if you had someone who was funny to be the duck, a lot of that would have slid. A lot of it. Honestly, yeah. you would have, should have just hired a comedian and had him improv the entire movie. It's not That's like the movie true. has a plot, so just let him say whatever uh, he wants. Okay, okay. Let's uh, have a quick segment here, because that's an excellent point. So... Who would your dream cast be for Howard the Duck? I'll go first. Bill Murray. Uh, well, I saw Top Garfield, that. so even Bill Murray can't raise the 
the quality of crappy writing every time. Because well, if he's improv though, improv though, yeah. I'm talking improv. I would say improv. Yeah, improv. I would like Bill Murray. I think he's. Uh, you're talking Caddyshack, you know, era Bill Murray here. Yeah, I I think he has the dry, sort of era, delivery, to do it. I would take John Candy. Okay, that's that's fair. Okay. Uh, like that's a very period Buck. correct pick. Very very period correct pick. I, yeah. Well, that's kind of how I, I was playing. Because who else was around at that time that could have done no, it? No, C- cigar chomping schlub. I like it. Yep, yep. I mean, it would have been great to have Belushi do it. Oh no, that's a good call. I mean, he was he dead by then? I think by the 18, way uh, the way Howard yeah. is, like. You could have Belushi just go full on Hurricane Belushi and make it one hell of a good time. Uh, that's a good point. I, I I suppose I don't I don't think he does like witty humor like like he's I, a lot I more I, blunt force. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I I, I kind of feel like without him, like if you could put Belushi in the suit, then it works. But just as a voice actor, I don't know. I don't know if that. That's just my opinion. I don't know if that I mean works. Chevy Chase certainly has. The cynic, the cynicism, and sort of the uh, that—that's—that's uh, that's the Chevy Chase. If you're if you're going for yeah, someone does, who's does delivering he do any, lines, has like he ever that. done any voice work? Is Chevy uh, Chase not that I know of? Uh, but I'm kind of surprised because I mean, you're right. You can do that wise ass thing real yeah, well. Yeah, like that's sort of his shtick. Yeah. Uh, but All right. Whatever. Okay. Alrighty, folks, let's let's bring it back in here. And thanks again for joining us for this episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. We've been talking about Howard the Duck tonight as part of our When Animals Attack Month. And now it is time for recommendations as we wrap this pod up. Um, I'll start first. My recommendation is don't watch this movie. Just watch the Honest Trailers video on it and listen to this pod. We pretty much covered everything you need to hear. Um, No need to waste your time on it. The Honest Trailer guys did a video on this because it was a big fan request. So they they did one, even though it's not like a contemporary movie. And their comparison between Howard the Duck and the modern Marvel movies, namely Iron Man and the Avengers, is hilarious. I would have never picked out the similarities and drawn the parallels, but when you watch this video, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's pretty funny. So check that out. Uh, Okay, so uh, Joel Schumacher died this week. Uh, So rest in peace to him. Obviously, he was associated with other comic book properties, those being Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, which we did on this pod way back when. Uh, So I'm going to recommend one of his 80s movies that is so much more entertaining than this and a real uh, look at uh, some of the young stars up and coming in the 80s, and that is St. Elmo's Fire, uh, the song of which is in Spider-Verse, which I'm sure you've noticed, Captain Cash. My son loves that one song. I have listened to it on repeat for almost a year. John Parr. Whoa. so That's Saint, a Schumacher movie? Yeah, St. Elmo's Fire, 1985, a year before this. It's fantastic. Julio no Estevez, Rob Lowe, Demi Moore, Judd Nelson, who I trashed and said could not have been in Vampire's Kiss, and I believe that to this day. He could not have been in Vampire's Kiss. Uh, and other people, uh, Andrew McCarthy, on and on and on. It's great. 
You love Chad it. Coming of age movie. People struggling to find themselves post college. A boogada boogada boogada. Oh oh oh. That's my recommendation. My recommendation is gonna be duck themed. If you have not watched the 2017 revival of Ducktales, I strongly <laughs> recommend it. Again? Again? You can't do this again. It's duck themed. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Oh. I thought you were a big Duck Dynasty fan. Ah, uh, no. No, those those goddamn fake hillbillies who grew out their hair for the reality show, not worth your time. Yeah. But a show that incorporates many very, very excellent comedians, uh, uh, just just worth your time, cannot recommend it enough, DuckTales, it's on Disney. Why couldn't you go with something like equally trendy and nostalgic like uh, Darkwing Duck? Why'd you have to go with Duck Darkwing Tales? Duck is on fucking DuckTales. He's in there, and he's great. Okay, uh, you did not mention that on your last recommendation, so I will give you a pass. So is the weird you know RoboCop who... Duck on there, too? Yeah, well, no, they, they have Gizmo Duck. Gizmo Duck is Gizmo in there, Duck, as, Gizmo Duck. Okay. as played by Lin-Manuel Miranda, as you probably know from fucking Hamilton, everything else, which is going to be on Disney Plus on July 3rd, which is going to be exciting. Is that a movie? Man, name? Disney Plus. No, it's just yeah, delivering I mean, so much great content right now. So. Uh, well, so, let, listen, <laughs> listen. They had Mandalorian, and now they have a filmed version of Hamilton. So that's that's two things on the inside of a year. It's it's not great. They could do better, but honestly, my children have watched The Lion King: The Diamond Edition at least six times this week, and it's Monday, so. It's getting done what I needed to get done. Well, folks, that brings this pod to a close. Thank you for sticking it out to the end with us. Mr. Wizard, what do we have to look forward to next in our When Animals Attack Month? And maybe more importantly, when can we expect to do Con Air? Okay, so When Animals Attack, uh, up next is going to be the greatest movie about righteous whales murdering terrible whalers. Orca. Moby Dick. Oh, wait. Orca. Orca. And, uh, That's right. We'll that, also orca. Yeah. be doing Congo, so Michael Crichton makes a return to the pod. Uh, but next week, we're going to do a special bonus Rage with Cage with Con Air. We've been promised that uh, Mary McCheese will not fall asleep mid-flight. We remain skeptical. And the good thing about Con Air is the plane goes higher than 15 feet off the ground, and it's full of convicts. And Nicolas Cage has a mullet, so get excited for that. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Is one of the convicts a duck? Not to my knowledge, but he could have been, you know, in the cargo bay where they keep most of the other animals. You know, That's a fair point. So One is a rapist, though. Yeah, there's some things That's that didn't age well about Con Air. Like a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> the mullet aged wonderfully. Uh, the accent, not so much. And the prisoners and the crimes they were accused of or convicted of also not so much <laughs> yike well that's gonna be an exciting time next week tune in uh before you all leave make sure to like share subscribe leave us a uh, review on itunes are we doing our jobs well these aren't our jobs it doesn't matter leave us a review anyway one star five stars just just participate so until next week Put the bunny back in the box.